Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. friends and here we are for another session of question and answer with Bishop Julian Porteous and I have with me Jovina Graham Hello. and I'm Jeremy Ambrose and Bishop Julian we've, we've just seen uh, a great thing happen in Parliament we've just seen the same-sex marriage bill defeated um, and substantially defeated however critics or opposition to, to this result would say that um, that we should be able to change the definition of marriage to allow same-sex marriages to take place for many reasons and, and hopefully we'll get into some of those reasons now but just as a starting point is this a reasonable request is it you know discriminatory to say that it's you know marriage is only for a man and a woman or, or, or is this a reasonable thing to ask for that same-sex marriage exists this is often the the argument that's being currently put forward and, and you know even in the debate in Parliament, there were there were people speaking quite em emotively about. Uh, there's one a member of Parliament who spoke emotively about the fact, you're, you know, I'm a human being. You're denying me the right to be able to marry somebody that I have a relationship for a long period, long period of time. And these these emotive uh, arguments can be uh, can be quite uh, swaying for for many people. We have to go back to the question of the nature of marriage. Um, I think the key key thing to consider here for a moment is to say that that marriage really has has been defined by virtue of being understood in cultures. It's it's not as though it has been mandated by parliaments in the past to say that a particular government decided that, that I will. Uh, define the nature of marriage. See, it belongs to human nature. It doesn't actually belong to legislatures to to, to really give the, the definition of marriage. So there's an issue there to start off with, to say that something which is has always been uh, understood, that, that marriage is, if you like, by definition, a relationship between a man and a woman. This has been something which uh, has has always just been accepted as a fact, as, a, as a, a truth about human nature, a truth about human life. Uh, so we're in a rather unusual situation now of something which has always been understood from from nature and, and to be to be the case is, is suddenly now it's been presented to a parliament. So we want to change by by an act of, of legislation something which has been always understood in, in a particular way. So this in itself is problematic, but the fact is that this, this is what is taking place. I think the key thing we, we, we have to keep returning to is, is simply to say that, that marriage, as it has been understood, is something which has been soundly understood over the centuries by, by all sorts of different cultures, it has been something that uh, has been accepted as the nature of human life. And, and therefore, we would say, really, in one sense, we can't change it. 
and even if 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 a a particular government uh, does bring in a law to change the defini definition of marriage, we'd have to say that that law is, is wrong because it is doing something which it can't do. We, marriage has a meaning. You can't change its meaning by virtue of a decision of a government. And I think if these things are brought in, certainly for a while it will mean that uh, that the law of the land will mean that, that people of the same-sex attraction can, uh, can enter into a marriage uh, relationship, uh, which would be recognised by the government. But in fact, it's not a marriage. It can't be a marriage. Marriage, by its very nature, involves a man and a woman. So, so it is very difficult to explain when somebody comes to the point that they are convinced that they should be entitled to the same rights and privileges as a man and a woman have in, in marriage. But we have to say them, but you can't. Because what you, you, have a, you have a relationship, you love another person, you understand that, but it's not marriage. It can't be marriage. It can never be marriage. Because marriage has a meaning and understanding. What you're asking for is we, in the end, governments can't really legislate to bring about a change, even though they have and some will continue to do so. But Bishop, even if this has always been our understanding, can't we alter our understanding if, if we see that, that a relationship between two people of the same sex works just as well as a relationship between a man and a woman? And of course, this, again, this is a line of argument that, uh, that comes up. And, and people will say, you know, that, um, that even though, I have to say that, that, that in terms of studies that have been done, these, these relationships are very much fraught with all sorts of difficulties and often don't last very long. However, there are some that do, and some people will be in, in long-term relationships um, that, uh, that would have a, a sexual expression to them, and, um, and they would then argue, um, look, we've been together for, for 13 years, or you know, we've got a stable relationship, um, we've found our relationship very life-giving, and, and so on. And we respect that reality. We're not, not denying that that can happen. However, again, I think we have to go back to, to, to look at the fact that a marriage relationship has uh, dimensions to it that I think are only discovered by the complementarity of the man and, and the woman. One of the things that I think is, is, is very significant is, is the teaching of, of, of Christ himself about marriage. When he was asked about the question of marriage, well, actually the question of divorce, he, he, he said, look, go back to the beginning. And so invited his listeners to think about the book of Genesis. And, and when, he just, when he talks about what the book of Genesis says, it says, a man leaves his father and mother, joins himself to his wife, and the two become one. Now, I think that is worth a great deal of reflection. And in fact, Christ goes on and comments then, they are no longer two, therefore, but one. Now, what is this unity? Is it, is it just a legal unity, a signing of a, a particular piece of paper? Is it... Um, a unity in terms of a shared life and shared vision and, 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 and so on? Or is there actually in the plan and purpose of God something far more profound about this unity? And, and I, believe, I believe it is, that, that, 
the book of Genesis talks about the idea that a man and woman were created. And I always find it very interesting. The very next thing after the description of the creation of man and woman is, is, is to mention marriage. It's almost like saying we were created man and woman precisely for marriage. And in fact, that we were created man and woman in the sense that, that a man and woman complement each other. There's actually a completion that takes place. I often like to use the image of two pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. They actually interlock with each other and form a reality that marriage is far more, I don't like the word partnership because I think that sells the marriage relationship short, far short of what it is. It's much more than a partnership. It's, it's actually a profound unity and the male and the female each contribute something distinctive and different to enable the union to take place. Another image we could perhaps use is like the um, like a magnet, you know, the, the north and the south magnet. You, you know, when you put you use a magnet to pick up a piece of iron, it's fairly strong in doing that. You put a two magnets together, and their and their bonding is so much more powerful because they're opposites. You know, there's a complementarity that brings about a very powerful bonding. So, in a similar way, we could say that. The way God's created us, that male and female are meant to enter into something quite profound in in marriage, and that uh, this is the plan of God. Yes, couples, same-sex couples can live in harmony and and live uh, a long and fruitful relationship with 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 each other, and we recognise that can happen. But it can't be marriage. It's not marriage, and, and the, the the level of unity that's achieved by a man and woman can only be achieved by a man and woman. And that is the beauty and the dignity of the, of the marriage union and simply the plan and intention of God. And I guess the next step from that is that with that complementarity and, and unity is that um, new life can spring forth from that, from that bonding. So, I mean, very quickly, Bishop, would you like to comment on, um, on perhaps the thought that a same-sex couple would be just as good parents as a heterosexual couple? And this is another argument that is put forward often. I'd like to make, I'd like to make two comments about this. The first thing is that a child born of a marriage between a man and woman would know that his or her life was a product of an intimate act of love between his father and his mother. Now, in other words, the child would know, firstly, who their parents were, and secondly, if you like, they're being born from an act of love. Now, in the case of a same-sex couple, they, firstly, they themselves can't produce the child, so there has to be the intervention. Now, it can be, firstly, it has to be the intervention of a third person, uh, and, and, and it could also be uh, an intervention which involves, if you like, more of a technical procedure, an IVF procedure or something like that, or maybe somebody else carrying the child if it's if it's two men and so forth. So a child may be then received into this relationship, and it may be again a very warm relationship. The the the, the two men may um, may in the, like this case may may really be very good, loving uh, parents to the child. But I always wonder about the effect of that child knowing that my two dads don't explain who I am. Mm. 
there's a, there's a, there's a, you know there's something lacking. There's there's another dimension here that's not being considered. The second thing that I think is very important, as we could say with a couple, so we could say with the role of raising a child, and, and psychologists will talk about this a great deal, that, that a child needs the influence both of a father and a mother. They provide complementary sources of nourishment for that child, and, and a child's going to grow best when the, the, there is the influence of the father, the masculine influence, and there is the influence of the mother, the feminine influence, that this will help bring about an integrated person. Um, and so so while we could say couples could be caring, and I'm not denying that that may be the case and may, may be quite exemplary, mm. but we have to say that still that child will fundamentally lack something that a child in a, uh, uh, has both a father and a, and, and a mother. Well, thank you, Bishop. Um, I think you've shed a lot of light and clarity on that topic. Thank you very much. Uh, Javina, well, we've been talking about um, different Christian symbols we, we see around the place. There's, there's one other that, again, we will see maybe on vestments or we may see... Uh, around an altar or on different um, pieces of art. And that is a symbol, it's probably best explained by the P with the X below it. Have you, have you seen that symbol? Yes, I have seen that lot, lots, on lots of priestly vestments. You see it on a lot of, that's right, it's on a lot of vestments. Now, it's, it's, it's difficult because we see a P and an X. They, uh, they're actually Greek, they, they go back to Greek words. The Greek words are chi row they're the two um the chi is the is the x and the row is the p now so what we have is is a, a symbol of x and p now what it refers to again is it's just a re reduction of the um of the name for christ because the chi stands for the beginning of the word christ and the row is again is the word R. So you've got C H R. So the Cairo is a uh, simple translation of the of the the word of, of the Greek for Christ. The other thing that, that is, is interesting is the fact that it was this image that was uh, was shown to uh, the Emperor Constantine before he was about to undergo. A battle, and he was told very simply, "In this sign, you shall conquer." So he actually had the Cairo put on the uh, on his banners and on the shields of his soldiers, and they went out to fight the great battle under the image, uh, using this image of Cairo, which, if you like, they went out to the battle mm. under Christ, mm. uh, and and he was victorious, and it was one of the principal means that led to his own conversion. And so the symbol has uh, an ancient meaning because it refers to Christ, but also it was part of what brought about the conversion of the Emperor Constantine and hence the acceptance of Christianity in the Roman Empire. So it has a very ancient and, and rather significant history. Hmm. Thanks, Bishop. I had no idea about that one. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Claudius. 
more episodes, visit radio.org.au.